Yo, guys. This is Square Zeros. Welcome. Uh, I'm Derek Hawkins. And I'm John Mann. And we are here today with Amanda from Crazy Pills. Amanda, please introduce yourself. Well, you already know my first name, and I'm in the band Crazy Pills, and I play guitar, and I write the songs, and I sing, of course, with my wonderful bandmates, Jim and Eddie. And uh, what kind of acts do you play? You know, we're here in your lovely apartment. I see. <laughs> yeah, thank you for hosting us. I see a framed us. television. I see framed marquee moon. I yeah. see what looks like an original raw power back there. Oh, what, what right. you're what you're also missing is that one that's laying down on the shelf is a uh, Prince. Is the is oh, the yes, oh the dude Prince the the shirtless the shirtless <laughs> one from the first oh, album. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what kind of acts do you have? Well, I play uh, an offset jazz master that my 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 dear darling Eddie assembled for <laughs> me about four and a half years ago. He he does this independent thing called Totally Wired Guitars, and it's beautiful rosewood fretboard, and it's it's pretty much to my specifications. He he really did a great job on it. So, it's uh, mauve mist. Is the color? Ooh. I get lots of comments on that. Love this. And it, and yeah. I didn't. And it's it's not pre relic. All those dings and scratches and worn out, you know, finish on the neck. That's all me. That's Apparently, all, yeah. I have acidic fingers or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. And why don't you uh, why don't you uh, describe Crazy Pills for us a little bit? What do what does Crazy Pills sound like? Yeah, I don't know what we sound like to other people, but to me, I guess I can I can always hear my immediate influences. I love the I love the Clash. I love. Um, obviously television. I actually had the honor of having my own little personal two and a half hour guitar lesson with Richard Lloyd once. Oh, shit. Uh, I'll let you know how to get, <laughs> get that. He's, he's always <laughs> soliciting students. He's a fascinating man. Um, brilliant guitarist. And I also love, obviously, the Pretenders. You know, the mm -hmm. songwriting is outstanding. I mean, Chrissy Hines should be considered one of the best songwriters ever. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. A cheap trick, you know. I love a good poppy rock, catchy. Cool. So we're talking, we're talking sort of a maybe garagey sort of power pop. Yeah, band for sure. Pills. Awesome. Exactly. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good thing to be. We sound kind of depending on how how loud we are. We could also sound a little more punky. Really, <laughs> sure, I mean, every sure. sound guy is like, oh damn, that's really loud. <laughs> so it depends yeah. on the venue, I guess. It, it really does. It really does. You know. That's cool. Um, well, today we are here to talk to you about some of your earliest recordings, some of your pre, pre, pre Crazy Pills recordings. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, why don't you, why don't you uh, give us a little introduction to that? Where, where did you start? You know, it's funny. I never really, pl I, I started playing guitar pretty young. I was never a great music student. I took classical guitar lessons, actually, when I was in high school, partly because I just, my guitar teacher was just a brilliant amazing human being and he really taught me more about beyond guitar about life in general but <laughs> I mean I didn't really carry that I have a classical guitar here but I really don't play classical anymore um, so yeah I mean I pretty much would just play in my bedroom bedroom rocking out so to speak mm -hmm. and um, just kind of model myself after a lot of the 90s musicians that I really liked because they were just so exciting and you know PJ Harvey you know, Tanya Donnelly from Belly, which is interesting because I don't know if they necessarily factor into Crazy Pills so much, hmm. but just the, in, the inventiveness of guitar playing and because I could relate to them as women. But I didn't really have a band in high school or anything. Mm -hmm. I went to college, kind of did some sideman guitar support for <clears throat> my boyfriend's project at the time, which, mm -hmm. you know, was fun, but nothing really major, I would say. But at that time, I started developing, I guess songs in my head that I wanted to play and so I would try to match the 
the chords and you know figure out the direction I wanted that song to go at the time I really wanted to do something very ephemeral very beautiful and kind of match the music I was listening to at the time cool so does that is that an appropriate introduction for the first song you're going to play for us then is that is this yeah, a sort of sure, is this sure. sort of an ephemeral yeah yeah beautiful... yeah this the song uh, the stars above started I mean I wrote the, the bare bones skeletal structure when I was 19 mm-hmm. and in that that boyfriend band and then um i took that to japan and you know would experiment with that i was in briefly in this this guy this drummer in japan's band called useless chair kicker loves dawn i'm not any (laughs) (laughs) can you give us that name again useless chair kicker loves dawn (laughs) it sounds like that sounds like the title of like a melt banana song you know, you'd think, I mean, Chair Kicker's a reference to a record label from the 90s, I think. I can't remember who's on that, but any music yeah, music that? geeks know it. Come on. But ah, It's ringing a bell. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I should have done my research. But um, <laughs> but the guy, he's really wonderful. Maki, he's a drummer, and he would sing and drum and sing these beautiful songs. But And then he was nice enough to let us, you know, do this song live, too, although we never recorded it. I was mm. only in that band for a year. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's let's give it a listen, and then I would like to come back and talk a little bit about what took you to Japan. But let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a that was sure. a leap. But let's uh, yeah. let's yeah let's start with the song. You sure. want so this on? is adolescence, and the song is the stars above.
Sweet. So that was The Stars Above by Adolescence. Yep. <laughs> All right, so what was the last time you listened to that song? <laughs> you know, I, I think it's been a, a couple of years, to be honest with you. How's it feel? Yeah, it's nice to revisit that side of what I like to write. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like, I mean, it, it also it's sounds very... like something. You say you wrote it, I mean, significantly, you know, like a while ago. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it sounds like something that would totally play in Brooklyn right now. Like, I mean, it seems like it's in that sort of. Yeah, totally like dream pop sort of vein that I think is actually very popular right now. That's, it's interesting to hear that. That's me ahead of times <laughs> <laughs> and just poor timing. Now it was really fun. Like I was mentioning offline. Um, we, we actually did perform those songs live for a benefit show that we did a couple of years ago for the sex assault and violence intervention program. I volunteer for it. It was a great show. The meaning of life played. Um, I can try to remember who else played. It was a great show. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Um, <laughs> now, you said, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, before the break, you said you uh, wrote, you know, you've got a song here that you wrote, um, you know, when you were 19, basically mm-hmm. in college. You had another one that you wrote when you were in Japan. Yeah. Um, tell us, give us a little biography of Amanda. Oh. Give us a, a little history. <laughs> like, how did you, how did you, like, where were you in college? How did you feel like you maybe sort of fit into that music scene? And then what took you to Japan and how did you find bandmates there? Okay. Well, I, not to age myself, but I was in college just before the White Stripes blew up, and I had, I worked in a couple different guitar stores, and I had the honor of kind of working in this fabulous vintage guitar store, so that's where I kind of developed this, this taste for garage rock, and just the Detroit sound in general, MC5, you know, I mean, at the time, it was just really exciting, um, I think that there was a return to excellent showmanship and just immediately amazing garage and rock-driven, guitar-driven music. So anyway, I took that with me. I was in college for three years. I graduated a little bit earlier than I thought I would. So I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, do I want to stay in school? Hell no. And I I wanted to travel. I wanted to go back to Asia. And back, I say back. I had never been to Asia before in my, you know, cognizant youth. But um so I found a program that would pay for me to work in Japan. A lot of people have done this, the JET program. And I lived there, I've said only one year, but actually I stayed five <laughs> for oh, wow. various personal reasons. But um, when I moved to Japan, uh, one of the first things I did was uh, connect with a really fabulous dude. He's um, still out there, in fact. He was a bassist, and we just created a cover band. So we covered like Blondie and T-Rex and all these really fun bands. Cool. Yeah, and we would do shows. We were called Naka Naka Yaruna, which is a statement that you say if somebody's like better than you thought. You know, if like if if somebody's like plays a plays, a, it, you, you know they're really bad at bowling, and then they do okay. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, Naka Naka Yaruna. So anyway, that's what our band was called because we thought it was funny. Yeah. But that actually um, caught the eye of, of a, my future bandmates in another band called Yamamba, <laughs> which is which was which is you suck. Oh, exactly. <laughs> they are they are Yama- way worse live. <laughs> Yamamba means mountain witches, and it's this hilarious. Just if you Google it, Y A M A M B A. Anyway, though, and we would dress up like them as a joke. It horrifies normal Japanese. Japanese humor isn't ironic at all, but this was a very ironic band. They I don't even it. know if my Japanese bandmates got it, but they went along with it because they're good. <laughs> but my drummer was amazing, like uh, Izumi. She is five foot tall, 
amazing drummer. I've never played with such a good drummer in my life. I hope to. Um, no, nothing against my current drummer. She was <laughs> I'm telling. I'm telling. Very unassuming too. And she could sing really well. And then our drum, our bassist Chitoku is a great. I mean, they're all technically amazing out there. Mm-hmm. So um, we shifted into doing original songs that I wrote just for fun. I mean, I didn't expect anything of it. But this next song, Baby, was. Uh, I guess the development of that and and my bandmates really liked it so they were <laughs> the cats like coming up behind you yeah we are we are we we're in the uh we're in Amanda's apartment right now we're doing it doing doing a house call today and yeah. uh, and Binky is cl- climbing across my shoulders he loves you <laughs> he does love me I love him um uh, yeah, anyway, well, well shall we shall we use that as our yeah this is Bay Bay by adolescence
Okay, so that was cool. Bebe, adolescence. <laughs> Those are both really cool songs, and like I see the progression that you were talking about. Yeah. You know, the first one's like dreamy, like a little bit like listless, and this one like things tightened up. Uh, it's got less of a Mazzy Star prozac out feel, yeah. which is cool, <laughs> which is totally cool. But like, I totally, yeah. I, I see the connection toward like what you're doing now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I still stand by those songs. I mean, I, I think that the people I collaborated with them on really helped bring out the, the strong parts and cut the fat as we were talking about, but definitely. What are uh, these folks doing now that you made this music with? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, the talented drummer on that track, Cal, is actually a f an amazing guitarist and songwriter. And he and the lead guitarist, Lisa Shimabukuro, they're both in a band called The Nervous Breakdowns. And I, I'm a big fan of that band, too. Um, we, we actually connected through a mutual adoration of, you know, 4AD Boston bands. Oh, nice. Circa 1990, you know, I actually have tickets to see Throwing Muses. And it's funny because, I mean, people expect that I'm going to sit here and geek out to the Sonics and to all these garage bands, you know, Rocky Erickson, psychedelic stuff. Or maybe they don't, but I, right. I, I, I honestly, I try not to, I don't know, I just try not to force myself to listen to anything to that I doesn't immediately come into my, um, I don't know, my immediate atmosphere at any given time no i know i know what you're talking you know about I mean? I mean there yeah. there is something too like i i realized you know it's as a, also as someone who you know has been writing music and playing music for you know over a decade like at some point i realized i was like there's this there's this little you know like there's this little keyhole that is like what john man produces in music and like <laughs> whatever you wedge into that keyhole eventually like That's what's going right. to come out on the other side exactly. it's going to be a john man song mm -hmm. so like for example there will be times where i'm like I've been listening to a shit ton of the Go-Go's. My bands do not sound like the Go-Go's. <laughs> like you're going to get awesome. you're going to get like a Melinda Carlisle John Mann song in a little bit, you know, like you know like like, like that I kind of thing, you know? that. So I like I think Melinda I think there's Carlisle. definitely something for like fishing around. It is it it's interesting to find out that you know you grew up in Michigan and that you were, you know, in Ann Arbor around the time that like that like garage rock thing exactly. was having its second, mm -hmm. second existence because that yeah. absolutely feeds into crazy pills yeah I mean, um, but it, but it is cool too that you're like i'm willing to reach out to other things that that make sense for my songwriting and also have the maturity not to like force stuff yeah that might just seem like it sounds like you, what I you do. just don't want to emulate anything and i mean we can't i mean already you're going to be influenced by everything you hear mm -hmm. and, and that's just the organic process of creation but right it's funny though um one of the, I mean, at the time, the other bands that were really big, like Saturday Looks Good to Me, there were a lot of bands at that time, too, that were, were a genre I never knew about. I was completely oblivious to it until college, which is emo. I mm -hmm. never listened to that stuff. And and it so influenced a lot of the music now and, and, and permeates everything. I can hear it. Right. And I'm not a big fan of that genre. And, mm -hmm. and people make fun of me for it. But I, I just don't, I just have no background of it. I mean, I'm aware of hardcore and Fugazi and how that... Mm -hmm progress but that that's the one genre i have to say i was really oblivious of that was still fairly active and it was big at the right? time yeah yeah i think so i mean I, that was the kind of apparently people say the tail end because i wasn't hip to it like 10 years prior <laughs> right yeah no that's interesting though to to think about too is you know something we've that's developing a bit as we talk to people from different places is what those individual scenes were like yeah. in those individual times i wasn't stuff. i wasn't part of it either i really didn't play out a lot in college right yeah i would honestly say Pretty much when I came to New York, that's the first time I really played out and played with people consistently and, and met up with people who had similar kind of visions or 
whatnot for their music. And, and why, why else come here if you can't start exactly the kind of band that you want to be able to start? You know, like that's the idea, right? <laughs> it's like it's like you've got to be able, in a place like this. You've got to be able to find people, like-minded people, who are going to start your band for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny too. I didn't expect it at all. I when I moved to New York, it was such a random thing. I thought I was going to move to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I transferred here through a job that really didn't work out. I mean, it, I just feel very lucky, very very lucky. Hmm. It's it's a great place to be. Yeah. So what's Crazy Pills up to nowadays? We have just finished um, tracking a three-song EP, which we are still, we still have a few things to track before we can mix it. Um, And then I think, you know, we'll see what happens with that. We have a bunch of shows in the crock pot, but it's quite hard to say given everybody's schedules. Um, Mm -hmm. Jim, our drummer, is in a couple other bands that are, take him out of town. And then Eddie and I have work schedules, but... Hopefully someday. No, right, I'm just right. kidding. Um, yeah. Well, well, you know how it goes too in New York. Like shows, like tail end of winter, oh, it come yeah. becomes really hard to book. Like everybody's in and out of town. South by Southwest comes. Yeah. I feel like the next month or so, like there's good stuff coming up. There's good stuff happening all over the city, mm-hmm. but it's like more of a bust than spring or summer is going to be. Yeah, I love playing shows in the spring and the summer. That is good times. Mm-hmm. I, we were so busy in the spring and summer last year. You guys played, even in the fall. You guys played Rippers, right? You guys played. We did. Uh, that was super fun. That was a really good time. Yeah, that's what we want to do. That's Beach a cool blanket scene, bingo. Yeah, that's, not, that's a real cool scene out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good time. So yeah, we we have a great time when we play and. Um, the songs are always you know evolving and developing. I mean, our LP came out. Well, it sort of came out in July, but really the the vinyl is produced, you know, in December. Mm-hmm. So that's still in the works of still being fresh, distributed. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So you never know. Mm-hmm. But we do have a show, I think, sometime in April for sure. And then we have a, a show or two in March. I'm not sure right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is, you know, you mentioned that when you came to New York, that was the first time you really started playing out. Do you remember your first show here? Yeah, it's really funny. I um, I never thought of myself as much of a live performer or anything. I mean, it all kind of came together here. But yeah, um, I, I, there was a, with Adolescence, that, that was the band that came, mm-hmm. our first and only show in that lineup was at Brewer Falls, the dearly departed Brewer oh. Falls. And we played with... Um, it was the theme of the night was boy girl because there's boy girl vocals in those tracks and the other ones that we didn't record and it was fun eddie helped book it it was uh us eula the art of shooting and this this female male duo hank and cupcakes who i think still play around yeah it was good how did it feel to develop a stage presence for the first time and what what was going through your head well, you know, I, I always had fun playing shows in Japan, you know, just because those kids are just out to dance. Um, maybe maybe I said that wrong, develop a stage presence. More just like understand New York audiences, you know what I mean? And that was, um, how did I feel about it? It was a natural thing. I'm, I've never... I've never really had stage fright before, which is an odd thing. I was a very shy kid, really quiet all through high school. And it's a surprise to people who know me now, but I just didn't feel like it was worth putting myself out there. And uh, you just kind of got to go balls out, as they say. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. You know what I mean? Like, I, I suppose there's a lot of bands that do just fine by having completely 
austere presences, but that's not who I am. So can yeah. you talk a little more too about the difference between like the audiences that you experience in Japan and the audiences in New York? Because New Yorkers, <laughs> obviously, we all know, are like notoriously stone faced and bored, even if they're enjoying the music. Yeah, well, it makes me sound like I had all these huge, this huge Japan career. <laughs> yeah, all the hundreds of shows. We were huge in Kofu, Japan, which is Yamanashi, a tiny prefecture to the to the uh, west of Mount Fuji. Um, well, I mean, it, those shows were just fun. I mean, again, you set them up through friends, and we were lucky to hook up with this really fun band that calls themselves Black Rodeo. They've developed into a a reggae influence band. Yes. But actually, this is a good segue because I developed more of my rock and roll punk rockabilly, you know, taste there. That's mm -hmm. a huge thing. There's all these amazing... Um, I want to. I don't want to reduce them to saying revivalist, but it's their interpretation of mm -hmm. of garage rock and psych and mod scene from you know the sixties and seventies that filtered over here. So anyway, Black Rodeo kind of connected me to those different entities, and um, so I was inspired by them to see all these really fun rad bands, and the audiences really like to participate. If you've ever met, well, no, I shouldn't really say it that way. <laughs> if you've <laughs> if you've ever been to Japan. And seeing how um, there's this word genki, and it means energetic or spirited. There's no direct translation, but you get it the minute you see it. Um, anyway, to be genki or to, to, to show enthusiasm is, um, is kind of a sign of respect mm -hmm. and acknowledgement for other people's efforts. So No, I think that's the same thing here. I just think people don't respect your efforts in New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, honestly, I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised. I mean, uh. we've played nine times out of ten that the audience is usually pretty engaged and mm -hmm. I would say, I mean, and for the shows I've seen sure. you do too, I, I would, it just depends on how you curate the night, which right. is a critical thing for booking, mm -hmm. which we were talking about offline. But, <laughs> right. but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say New York people are that bad. I remember going to a Slater Kinney show like 12 years ago mm -hmm. and, and they were they were on the stage. Carrie Brownstein was like, you guys, it sucks. Like, nobody's dancing. And I, I was like, well, everybody in my area is. So it, it looks so different from the stage than in the audience. I think too. it's also the thing. Never blame the audience no. outright. Sure, yeah. sure, of course not. Yeah. No, no, no. They're doing you the honor of showing up. I, I mean... Right. I, it's, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell no you what... The, I, think, I think what the nuance is that we, haven't, that we aren't talking about is... Mm -hmm. and, and that someone like Carrie Brownstein absolutely knows is... When you tour, you see how everybody reacts and when you get to new york right. it's just it's known for being less stoic. enthusiastic yeah. less maybe, enthusiastic maybe about you stone faced is where, wrong where, whereas, but whereas, stoic for yeah, sure every time for example every time we go to dc people go crazy yeah you know, and, like, and yeah. i must say that, that it's a hardcore town that was in detroit too so in detroit right. it's supposed to have good audiences and, and typically they do but um, hey, what can you do, man? You have good sure. days. Yeah. You have bad sure. days. I yeah. hope we're so Get lucky to tour. We want to tour. We really want to tour. Right, right, right. <laughs> Let that be known. But yeah, just yeah. I guess you just at some point you just gotta be like, all right, we gotta get better. We gotta get yeah. better. We got we gotta make these people move. You yeah. know. Yeah, I, I guess it. You know, it's just. I, I, bottom line, just ha you gotta have fun on stage yourself because yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to have fun. And we always not. do. So that's that's the other the great part about Crazy Feels. Like I have a blast with these guys. Absolutely. They're fucking tight. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, well, do we want to? Do we want? I would say that I think I think I think we're fucking tight is a great way to close out the. Uh, yeah. We're fucking tight. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy pills interview. Uh, do you want to take us out with a crazy pills song? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess the song you could 
bow out with is our lead single break it down break it down by crazy pills rock and roll look forward to a new ep thanks amanda thank you guys 